AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Okay, riddle me this. Can we still call it a rally if corn only participates to the level of unchanged? Huh? You know what? We can and we will. Sure, corn was actually off fractionally in some contracts. Color me fractionally whelmed. Live from the waning days of this week by a Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we feature a conversation with Steve Nicholson from Rabo. Later, Robin Schmall from agmarket.net. Directly following the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures. I'm Michelle Rook, and now filling in for Chip is Davis Michelson. Well, thank you very much, Michelle, and welcome one and all to this afternoon's AgriTalk. Glad to have you along here. I know you have a lot of things on your mind, a lot of things to do. Really glad that you have opted to spend some time with us here, your pal Davis Michelson behind the big green leafy microphone, um, trading off with uh, Michelle Rook all the, all of this week. Today I've got the show. I'll have Steve Nicholson. And then there was some dairy stuff that came out with the school milk. Uh, we touched on it a little bit in the in the uh, morning show. I've got uh, Robin Schmall to come and just, uh, you know, pour a little cream on this concept. Let's make it let's make it sing a little bit. I can't wait to find out nice. you know, what the impl- you like that. What the implications yeah. might be, what what dairy people really, how this might need to change the way that they they look at their marketings and uh, and their production. Michelle Rook, um, again, so glad to have you along this week. How's everything today? You, you all right? Yeah, it's going good. I'm uh, glad we're handing off the baton back and forth because if <laughs> I had to do both shows, I think I would be exhausted. I'm so. thinking the same thing. In fact, Michelle, spoiler alert, I may already be exhausted. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay, I'm with you. I, I'm not too big of a person to admit it. So, honestly, I'm not sure what it remembers to be. I'm not sure I remember what it feels like to be well rested. So, I don't. I'm not sure that I would know. Um, I reached out to Steve Nicholson ahead of the show here, and um, I really enjoy talking to Steve. I don't get to do it nearly often enough. Uh, the guy basically knows everything. And so we're going to like tap into that resource. Oh, yeah. You love it. We're going to tap into that resource and, uh, you know, we'll give him a good shake and see what shakes loose. What say, Michelle? I think. And there's been a lot to talk about that probably falls right into his wheelhouse. So Indeed. And then, of course, as I said, we'll we'll focus in on what some of the uh, dairy uh, bill passed through the House may not make it through the Senate. You know how these things go. Um we're just going to have to wait and see. But in the meantime, it's very exciting news that we have been hoping for for quite uh, a, a long time. And a uh, reason for dairy folks to rejoice. So we're going to celebrate that a little bit in the fourth. Michelle, with that, how about today's news? Well, up today, first off, soft winter wheat futures led gains in the wheat complex. USDA reported wheat sales of 1.491 million metric tons during the week that ended December 7th. That was a marketing year high and, of course, included all those sales we had from China. Sales were near the top end of pre-report ranges of 1.2 to 1.6 million metric tons. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, a softer U.S. dollar added light support. March HRW wheat 
futures firm four and a half cents to six thirty six. March SRW wheat gained ten and a half cents to six fifteen, and March spring wheat closed at seven eighteen. That's up four and a half cents today. Man, one point four nine one million metric tons weekend of December seven, a marketing year high for wheat, and we did see China in several times for soft red wheat on uh, daily sales and individual sales. And uh, so this this number is very encouraging. And in the soft red wheat especially, it gets us a dime and a half up to 615, Michelle. Well, let's hope we can keep it going here. Corn futures Indeed. also tried to work higher early in the session after that disastrous day yesterday, but finished the day tethered to unchanged. I know that's a victory for Davis. But it feels like a US- victory. <laughs> yeah. USDA reported corn export sales of 1.419 million metric tons for the week that ended December 7th. That's up 10% from the previous week, but down 12% from the four-week average. Now, after announcing harsh economic measures to address rising inflation, Argentina's new government published a decree Wednesday as establishing a new special exchange rate scheme to boost exports and dollar flow. March corn futures fell one quarter of a cent to 479 and a quarter. The May corn fell a half cent to 492 and July corn futures closed 501 and a half down one and a quarter cents on the day. I I do feel like there's there's some measure of victory here even if it's only in the export sales almost at a million and a half metric tons for that weekend of December 7. Uh, but that figure was still below the four-week average, so maybe some work still to be done there. But, you know, Michelle, there was an awful lot of concern about export demand for corn, especially a few months ago, and uh, I, I haven't heard much about it. Days like uh, Reports like these really help remedy that, don't they? Yeah, they were decent, and we look a little deeper into the details. China was about 143,000 metric tons of the business, and we've been hearing rumors of China business, so at least we got some confirmation of that. Yep, indeed. Soybean futures were mildly higher in today's trade, but resistance at the 200-day moving average is proving a difficult level to cross, USDA reported daily. Soybean sales of 400,000 metric tons to unknown destinations for 23-24. USDA reported weekly soybean export sales 1.084 million metric tons, down 23% from the previous week and 46% from the four-week average. Jan beans were 6.5 cents higher, 13.14. March firmed 5 and three quarters to 1332 and may beans close 1345 and a quarter up a nickel on the day outstanding michelle let me just run these down real quick because we've got oliver standing by i don't want to keep him um i've got march cotton down 37 points today 80 81 on the livestock side february fat cattle were up 70 cents 167 82 and a half jan feeders up a buck 97 and one half to 219.35 and feb hogs shot three dollars 75 cents higher today to 7047 and that's where we're going to start with Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures Oliver the man said February hogs shot $3.75 higher today, baby. How you like them apples? Yeah, pigs can fly with that February <laughs> contract uh, limit up. Unfortunately, the back months didn't see as much momentum, but still all in all pretty friendly, and I wouldn't be surprised to see this lend uh, some strength into tomorrow's trade as maybe some shorts try to square some positions up ahead of the holiday trade, which, speaking of the holiday trade, it, it seems like the corn market has already beat us to the punch. Um, they spent majority of the day and about a one, one and a half cent range for, for four hours, which is a little yeah. bit ridiculous. So it seems like some of the traders are are making their way out the doors and trying mm-hmm. to enjoy an extra long holiday break. But I hope that's not the case because I have to be at the desk regardless. So I hope it's a little bit more eventful than what we saw today. You and me both, brother. Am I 
completely certifiable for feeling like, okay, fractionally lower to unchanged in the corn market today. I don't know, dude. That that feels like it could have been a lot worse. It it, it really could have been a lot worse. Uh, I, I, I'm still skeptical of corn, but when you zoom out, we're, we're right smack dab in the middle of no man's land. Low end of the range is near 470. The top end of the range is near 490, and here we are right at 480. So I think if you've got a lucky coin in your pocket, you can take it out and flip it and maybe maybe get the direction right. But you guys touched on exports uh, you know, being a headwind over the last several months. I think that's going to continue to be the case. They were halfway decent in this morning's report, but we really need to see a couple you know, blockbuster numbers so to speak, to get, I think, shorts out of these positions that they've just been married to for some time now. Mm -hmm. Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures, thanks for your time and for your perspective today, man. Have a great weekend. Thanks, you too. All right. That was Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures, your pal Davis Michelson behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk. Um, I imagine we'll talk a little bit of Fed stuff with Steve Nichols. You know what? I'm going to lay this one on him. When we get him on, I'm going to ask him what's the most important thing in the world. I don't know if you like that or hate that or not. I just find it fascinating, the things that people say. And that'll start our conversation on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here in for Chip Flory. Chip will be back on uh, Monday morning, first thing. Ready to go, I'm assuming. I heard from him, so he's, he's you know, having a good time and uh, making sure to control that deer population as best he can. And it's important work. Uh, tomorrow morning, we will have the free-for-all, and I did this late-breaking, boop, 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 boop. we will have uh, Sean Haney, the Alberta Breeze. We will have Pro Farmers Policy OG Jim Wiesmeyer, and we will have – Joe, can I say it? Can I say it? Is it all right? Yes. Yeah, we will have her Royal Hemis, April Hemis, up in the house. Uh, it's going to be great. Free-for-all tomorrow morning. I will be in charge, and uh, you know what that means. So I, I hope you'll tune in. And enjoy it right now, my guest, Steve Nicholson from Robbo. Steve, dude, I don't even know how long it's been. It's been way too long since I've spoken with you. I'm so glad you had time today and would make time for us, brother. How you doing? Good, Davis. It's good to talk to you. It has been a long time. I'm glad we got this worked out today. Absolutely. Um, now, I want to start just super broadly <laughs> with a question that some might think is annoying, but I feel like it's constructive. <laughs> um, I'm asking you, you know, you're an analyst, you're probably doing math from time to time throughout the day, but 
in those moments where you're not doing all that sort of stuff, <laughs> is there something that sort of creeps into your mind? One issue, one what if, one I hope this doesn't. What's the most important thing in the world right now to Steve? Well, you know, and this is going to go, I'm going to be, you know, not co related to commodity markets or anything. That's fine. Yeah. And, and I and I was thinking about, and I, I heard when you asked it, so I had a little time to think, so I'll be honest Good. about that. Um, you know, I thought about my dad. Uh, my dad was a longtime barber in downtown Des Moines. He's, he's since passed. Uh, but one of the things he always taught me was be, be kind and be nice to people. Mm. And, and it seems like we just don't have a lot of that in the world right now. Um, mm. And that's, that's not right. Um, we need to get along. So yeah. and that's, that's a little sentimental, I suppose, on my part. But also, I think that's, I, I think about back in the day when I, when I worked for a member of Congress in Northeast Iowa, Congressman Taki, and I think of the members of Congress, whether in the Iowa delegation or in, you know, in other delegates, you know, from other states, and they, they all worked together. Now, they didn't always agree, mm -hmm. and they realized that, but they worked together and got found solutions. And, and I think about the fact that we just don't have, we're just not kind to each other, nice to each other. And that, mm -hmm. you, that talks about wars and everything else. So Sure, sure. Well, and I think, you know, domestically speaking of that, and I, I agree with you 100%, uh, we are desperately lacking some kindness, some compassion, some willing to give, some willingness to give uh, someone else the yeah. benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Instead, Absolutely. Uh, too many of us are way too quick to jump to, well, what do they mean by that? Oh, you know, now I've been offended. Well, I, I demand satisfaction. No. Right. No. You know? No. We, we rarely get satisfaction when we're offended again, so we just need to live with that. Would you say that's a fair statement? <laughs> that's a fair statement. Sometimes we just need to be a little uncomfortable. Sometimes, yep. you know, we might be wrong, um, mm -hmm. and we need to listen to other other people. I think that's really important. So, mm -hmm. absolutely, thank you for dad. that. Yeah. No, thanks. For the good good question. Great question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about a market on the edge. You and I kind of went back and yeah. forth just a little bit, and you yep. mentioned market on the edge, and uh, I'm intrigued, Steve. Yeah, it, it's one of the things I've been noodling around in my brain in lots of different pieces, and you know, and and you said it, you and Michelle were talking about it. Is you know, the bears have certainly you know controlled this market here in 23. Um, there, a lot of people short this market, and and at some point, you know, that's got to, you know, that that will change. It, it doesn't have to change, but it will change at some point because something will shake them out of that short position. But when you start to, and, and one of the things that we've talk, talked about as a group and as a team is that it's like the market has divorced itself from the fundamentals. And the wheat market is a perfect example of that. And and it's and at some point, you're, you're going to move one way or the other. And you think about all the different pieces in the world. So... You know, we had a good crop. We had a record crop in Brazil. We had a decent crop here in the United States this year. And so we are building corn and, and soybean stocks uh, marginally uh, around the globe. But then if you start to think, peel this on your back and look at stocks among the exporters of the world, soybeans being the one exception, look at corn, you look at wheat, you look at rice even, you see ex exporter stocks going down. And those stocks in the world are being held by China is a good example, and they're being held by people who are non-exporters. So if you're an importer of a grain and oil seed, you you have you have a smaller basket of goods to you know to uh, to get from. So mm -hmm. you know 
So if you have a hiccup in any production around the globe or a, or a hiccup in demand, you know, to the good, you know, to the positive side, then that market's going to respond very quickly. The other piece that I've been noodling is round is also looking at concentration of production and exports. And you look around the world and 88, it's about 85%, give me, give me a few percent there, mm-hmm. of the world's productions of grain oilseeds are either produced in Asia, not a surprise, China's a big producer, or North America and South America. But if you pull Asia out, about 35% of the world's grain oilseeds are produced in North and South America, and we're exporters. There's not many other exporters around the world of that. Europe may be partly the exception there in the sense of they, they export some wheat and also Russia exports wheat. Mm-hmm. But overall, you know, this concentration of both production and export capacity sits here in the Western Hemisphere. And if you start to dial it back by commodity, it gets even more interesting. Mm-hmm. And it just brings up the issue of if, if we catch a cold, whether it's us or Brazil, then the rest of the world really is going to, I mean, we sneeze, the rest of the world is going to catch a cold because we're just not going to have the ability, we're not going to have the surplus to either export or the prices go up substantially uh, to to uh, to try to ration that supply or ration the demand, whichever side of the table you're on. So mm-hmm. I, I do, that's why I think the market's on edge. And then you want to talk about weather and soil moisture, soil moisture, which is very depleted in many parts of the world. And then, oh yeah, we've had these, we got these two wars going on uh, that create all sorts of dislocations. Now the market adjusts to those fairly quickly, and we've learned that. Um, but you know, those are disruptions that can happen, you know, any time, day or night, that could could tip a market either way to the downside or the upside. Yeah, yeah. So I don't see clear resolution on the horizon in the near term for a lot of these issues that you've you know, sort yeah. of sort of referenced here. Does this yeah, leave yeah. our market on edge until further notice then, dude? No, I think that's a good question. I mean, it's you're right. There is there doesn't appear to be any sort of resolution anytime soon in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you could tell me today, which none of us know this, maybe Michelle does. She might. But she might because she's a lot smarter than you and me. I'm afraid so. Yeah. You know, if you could tell me the weather was going to be fine in in South America and the weather is going to be fine here in North America, then the the sellers or the buyers of the world would be pretty happy, livestock folks, because they would have cheaper feed. Um, but if that if those weather issues aren't resolved um, or moisture levels aren't increased, then we're you know you're stuck in a piece where you could have higher prices before it's all said and done. So it's I don't I think we're on another year where we're going to have to be paying attention. Um, and I, you know, I think it's also, you know, where before we kind of, you know, I think we waited to sell because, you know, we always got rewarded for that the last two or three years. I think now you're going to have to be much more on the offensive and rallies need to be rewarded. And if you're a seller and if you're a buyer, you know, rallies to the downside, if you want to put it that way, have mm-hmm. to be rewarded as all, because, you know, look at corn, corn has basically been in a, a sideways pattern for, you could say since August. Yeah. Um, and, and not very exciting. I mean, you, you no, talk maddening, to that right actually. <laughs> it is maddening. Um, yes. I think today an unched, an unched corn market feels like a victory, you know? Yes. Um, and, but there's just so many different things happening um, that it's hard to keep track of it all. And, and also to figure out what, how the market's going to react to it. That's the other piece. It's just really hard to, really hard to find out or really hard to, you know, discern or figure out where you should go next. 
Yeah. Um, you started us here saying the fundamentals aren't having as much impact as you maybe think they ought or have historically. Yes. Um, and I would tend to agree. Do you think that has anything to do with taking humans out of the trading pits? <laughs> I keep going Boy. back to that as a major yeah. shift that had the potential yeah. to like freaking change everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So I, I, and, and you'll understand this, um, you know, there's a little part of me, the romantic side of me is like, gosh, all those people aren't in the pits anymore. They're absolutely empty. Mm -hmm. But having said that, yes, I, the premise of your question is I agree with it. I think the fact that you've taken humans out of the pits, you know, they don't, you know, you don't walk in every day with, you know, trying to figure out what everyone else is doing. You don't have, you know, you don't have your cards and you don't see your, your trading partner or your trading um, you're trading nope. competition across the way and you don't really know what's going on. And so, and, and that I think has taken a huge element out of these markets for us to think about. And so now you have people sitting behind computer screens like we all are in a black box someplace and we trade it based on, you know, whether it's some algorithm or some mathematical equation, I yep. think it has, has had a huge impact on markets for those of us that do price discovery and hedge risks. For sure. Steve, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back at the other side of the bottom of the hour with more AgriTalk with Steve Nicholson. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes, where March HRWD wheat futures firmed four and one half cents to 636. March SRWD wheat gained 10 and one half cents to 615. March corn futures fell one quarter of one cent to 479 and one quarter. May corn fell a whole half cent to 492. January soybean futures six and one half cents higher today, thirteen fourteen. March beans firmed five and three quarters to thirteen thirty-two. May cotton futures, let's see, yes, softened thirty-seven points to eighty eighty-one. On the livestock's February fat cattle gained seventy cents, one sixty-seven eighty-two and a half. Jan feeders firmed a buck ninety-seven and one half to two nineteen thirty-five. Look out for February hogs up three dollars seventy-five today to close. At 7047. Get more market news every single market day. Go to tryprofarmer.com. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. And I'm so glad that you are along for today's AgriTalk. Davis Michelson here in for Chip Flory. My guest today, 
um, includes Steve Nicholson. Later on, uh, we're going to have Robin Schmall from agmarket.net. Headline reads, The House Passed the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act of 2023. Can it get through the Senate? What does it mean? Do we, I mean, are we excited about this? I don't know. We'll find out from Robin Schmall. Uh, right now, Steve Nicholson and I will continue our conversation. Steve, thanks so much for being with us from Robbo, of course. Um, let me ask you this, because we've all sort of snickered about this around our little campfire here. Um, but I think, tell me, talk me down off the ledge here, if you need okay. to, please. I'm okay. relying on you for that discretion. Uh, okay. What if China really did grow a record corn crop? What if they did? Yeah, I think you have to then? think about, yeah, you know, and we'll never know for sure. Let's, let's, let's acknowledge that up front. We'll I never really know that. Sure. I can't live with that, Steve. I know, I know. The uncertainty <laughs> just kills you, right? It does, and it does. But but we'll know that by their by their corn by their corn purchases. Are they buying it from Brazil? Or are they buying it from us? Okay. And you know, if we'd go back six months ago, you know, we basically thought the U.S. was we were we weren't going to ever ship another bean or another kernel of corn ever to China, let alone the world. And here we are now in December, and we're seeing you know, pretty good sales that we didn't think it ever happened. So I think we have to acknowledge a little bit of a change. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing is China now, yes, they're trying to build stocks back up. Now they have a lot of stocks. Let's be acknowledged of that. And again, we don't know the actual number, but you have to kind of look at the trends. But one of the things that our analysts in China keeps telling us is that, you know, China, you know, there'll be the ebbs and flows, but it's all about food security. And, now, that's a little worrisome, too. Are they getting ready for something? Mm. But the mm -hmm. fact is, you know, Xi Jinping has been very clear um, in the messaging about we gonna make, we're going to make sure people are being fed and we're not, people are not going to be hungry and they're not going to be, you know, can't get food. And I think between COVID and between the lockdown there and then, of course, the war in Russia, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, you know, they want to make sure that they can find the food they want. And, and I think part of the reason we have also benefited from sales of beans in particular to, uh, to China has been Brazil's logistics issues because the northern arc has been so dry and those tributaries are, you know, too low to, to ship to ship on. And mm. so and ports are. So I think we benefit from their weather issues as well. Not that we don't have our own because we do. But I think that's all come together. You know, China. The other thing about China, we have to remember, there are some of the best traders in the world. And they may say something and do something else. So it's not necessarily listen to them, but watch what they do. Well, and that focus on food security, apparently the CCP did learn from history, at least at least that yes. handy little tip. Um, yes, let's, exactly. Let's bring it back domestically here. I've got, I got three things I want to talk about, and I think they're okay. all tied together. Um, I've got acreage mixes, I've got the cost of money, and I've got marketing. Yeah. Um, wow. Let's 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 chip away at, at acreage mixes it might be a little too soon to tell but i was talking to some farmers on wednesday morning and they got a they got plenty of fertilizer put down which to me would lean at least on the nitrogen side toward corn plantings yeah yeah there's when we look at the economics and we've and we've run this several different times we find that you know that whether it's continuous corn or corn soybean rotation the corn margins aren't good and frankly they're negative um when you look at it that way, we look at soybean margins, they're good. Now, 
we also I, we acknowledge when we look at that we are we are penciling in more that we're inking in you know the expansion in soybean crushing facilities which are going you know which will expand again in 24 and so mm -hmm. they're going to need those beans and that's going to keep bean prices you know relatively supported versus corn for example and so we do see we're viewing that we'll see a much more uh, i mean there's some people talking sub 90 million acres of corn I, i'm not we're not in that camp 90 cut will probably be the bottom so it mm -hmm. could be 90 91 million acres but we see bean acres coming you know come roaring back you know upwards of 88 to 89 million acres of soybeans in 2024 but it's all about the margins and the margins and that's when you look at wheat that's the problem too the margins aren't there for wheat and the fact it's dry in dry in many parts of the southern plains there are other parts some parts have gotten some good rain and have got the wheat up and going this winter but you know the margins are going to uh, margins follow the margins that'll tell you where the acres will be mm-hmm mm -hmm. How much how much influence does the cost of money have on that when they when farmers go to get their operating finances secured yeah. for the coming crop year and everything is yeah. I mean are they already set at that point or are they able to maybe make an adjustment here and there Yeah they'll make they'll make some adjustments and I I think one of the things we've seen from a vendor finance perspective we've seen more the the input companies be a little more aggressive um, about vendor financing this year and also farmers have been shown a lot more interest in it this year because they know that's going to be cheaper money than what they can get at the bank. Uh -huh. um, and so it does impact their decisions. Now, you know, the old timers will tell you five or 6% money is still pretty cheap versus what I used to pay in, 19, in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's all, it's all in your perspective, but we have seen an increase in the interest in vendor financing and the ability to go get that will be, is going to be the, that's going to go up this year for sure. So the interest rates will have impacted that. They don't have not seemed to impact on another input on the land side. We certainly see a slowdown in the rate of increase in land values, but we haven't seen much slowdown in the interest in land. And as as we all know with producers, you know, if you've got that ground piece of ground coming up next to your fence row, uh, you're going to make sure that you try to get that piece of ground because it makes your life easier. That's absolutely right. So, when we're talking about making those decisions, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it really doesn't help the the younger fellas or maybe those who don't remember the 80s um, to right. hear the old timers say, I remember 20 percent. But it is absolutely significant. People are acting like, you know, this is this is the time right. to panic. We got to make big moves yeah. here. This is weatherable. Yes, this is. That's a very good word. It is weatherable. And I want to put it in perspective for folks. You know, the last we'll say since the 2000, you know, since the Great Recession in the mid 2000s, we've been in this interest rate climate, which is abnormal. This is not that was not normal. Yes. You know, what we're right. seeing now is more normal. And I think we have to, you know, yes, I'll be the old man. But, you know, this is what's normal. You And frankly, and I, I've, I've been challenged on this, but I want to say this, you know, we need higher interest rates and you need a little inflation to kind of grease the wheels of the economy. Yep. Because if there's no inflation or there's no, you know, little higher interest rates, we we probably make some bad decisions or don't move the economy forward. So now people are focused on if I invest this money and it's going to cost me this much, what is my returns? And likewise, a little inflation makes you think about, do I need to buy that or do I need to do, do something now about that? So it's all, you know, it, these are important things for people to remember and remember what's normal versus what's abnormal. 
Mm, that's good. That's good perspective. Um, before time gets away from us, let's yes. let's talk about marketing. You you have yep. made some illusions during our conversation, yes. but but yep. let's talk turkey on the marketing. Uh, either corn, beans, wheat, cattle, whatever you feel like, uh, whatever yeah. you want to talk about. So let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna divide corn, wheat, and soybeans kind of into a you know kind of a decision tree. Mm-hmm. So if I or, or kind of a bullish and bearish. So if you want to be bullish and bearish and be that black and white. You kind of put corn at the bottom, being a little more bearish than anything else. I think wheat would be at the top. There's more bullish opportunities, more upside potential with wheat. And soybeans could go either way, depending upon area, depending on production, both in Brazil and here. But goes back to, and you alluded to it, what I alluded to earlier, I think rallies need to be rewarded if you're a seller for producers. And corn, you know, looks like from a board perspective, you're kind of locked in this 470 490 maybe five dollar area here for a while it, mm-hmm. it it's kind of like we've gone the doldrums on corn so right. if you start to get a five on the board i think you need to you know evaluate where you are or you get a pop in your local bases you need to you need to be paying attention and take a look at that mm-hmm. wheat on the other side let's go to the other extreme i think wheat has a lot more upside because you have tightness here and you've you have tightness around the globe in wheat and the other piece of that is is that as we get into the second half of the crop year on wheat, I think there's going to be a demand for milling quality wheat. There's a lot of feed wheat in the world, but milling quality wheat will be a little tougher to find. That's what China's actually buying is milling quality wheat because they don't have the milling quality wheat. Beans depends all on what happens in Brazil and what happens to area here. Mm-hmm. And again, if you know those who are in areas of, of, build, of new crushing facilities, you're in the right place. You're going to have good prices for the beans because they need to get them and they need to secure them for their crushing facility because they have people who want to see that oil and want to see that meal. So I think beans, you can be a little more, maybe a little, I'm a little more picky about your marketing, but Mm -hmm. I think at the same time, you know, wheats, you could, you could pick up, pick and choose your spot with corn. I think you have to be, be careful, be conscious of the rallies and, and take care of them when they get there, reward them. Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, sage, and I I imagine it would be the the flip for uh, say feed buyers. Maybe you got a feed yard going or right. something. You're you're going to want to reward absolutely. those dips too as as they come a- along. Absolutely, because you look at corn, and and I'm looking at March corn here on the board right now. I mean, we've been to 470 once, mm-hmm. but really that 480 area has been kind of pretty good support. So yeah. 470 480 on the March board, if you're a buyer. Huh, maybe I ought to own some of that for longer term. Um, mm-hmm. And don't get caught up in, you know, we've we've seen this now. They've been, it's like farmers were rewarding the upside. Well, now you see buyers have been bearish all year and been rewarded on the downside. But yeah. don't, again, don't get greedy there and look at the, what's, what is your risk reward? How much mm-hmm. downside is there in corn? Yep. Probably not a lot, but, you know, so take, you know, take it, lock it up and be done. There goes that math again. Good stuff, Steve. Yeah. Um, Steve Nicholson from Rabo. Brother, this was a real treat. I appreciate you uh, sharing with us great. so candidly and taking so much time, man. Have a great day. Hey, thank you, Davis. It's great to talk to you as always. You take Absolutely. care. Yep, Merry will do. Uh, coming up next, I've got Robin Schmall from agmarket.net. We're going to get frothy over dairy on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. you suffer from talking on the radio phobia no problem send us a tweet at hashtag agritalk and welcome back to agritalk everybody davis michelson here for you uh let me bring in my next guest here robin schmall from agmarket.net robin thanks for joining us today it's super short notice um thank you so much for being here i appreciate it we'll only keep you for a second okay that's fine i'm always up for it and appreciate it Absolutely. Well, here's the story. The House passed the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act of 2023. It aims to permit schools to include whole milk as an option alongside low-fat, lactose-free, and non-fat milk. Uh, Historically, whole milk was removed from school menus uh, following 2012 guidelines established under a 2010 child nutrition law. Uh, It got pretty good support in the House, Robin. 332.99 might be a little sketchy once it hits the Senate. Um, can you explain this to us and how much hope maybe you have for this actually uh, making it to the cafeteria? <laughs> well, first of all, it's a little ironic that we have to get we have to have um, government involved in <laughs> in, you know, whether we should have certain types of milk in a school or right. not. Right. Um, but be that as it may, it's what took place in. You know, they had um, they wanted to, with this bill, remove having the fat content that is in milk um, to be disconnected or not counted in the fat content that's supposed to be in each meal for for students. Okay. where now it's it was part of it. So that's why they took it out in 2012. And now they want to disconnect that from that to make that separate. So. Um, I think it, the, the the resounding yes that we can had through the House of Representatives, I think I think will carry over into the Senate. Okay. Uh, I don't really see any, uh, or I haven't heard anything where they've been really divided on that per se. Okay. But maybe I'm wrong, or I'm not getting the right part of it. But um, I think that you know when we're looking at nutrition as a whole, which mm-hmm. I think we can all agree. Uh, dairy products are are, are are an important part of it, and I think the, the having the children themselves being able to choose something that's nutritious, which they're comfortable with, mm-hmm. and they like, and maybe what they have at home, I think is going to increase consumption. You know, there's been that push too to 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 take chocolate milk out of schools, and they figure that's going to, if they do that, that would decrease milk consumption by like depending on age group from fifty to sixty six percent. Yep. Yep. Um, so let's see what, if, if we're not, I mean, maybe it will pass through the Senate here. The, 
the posts that I've seen have have sort of been vaguely, mildly negative that the Senate will do anything with this. I I like your approach here because it it really is nutrition. Really is something that we ought to. When I say we, I'm saying that Congress ought to be able to coalesce around and uh, and provide this uh, this whole milk for healthy kids in schools. Well, I know how you know. Where are we going to go here with with um, who is going to be be able to re- regulate the nutrition of our children? Mm-hmm. Um, if we're going to have the government regulate the nutrition of the children, then then I, I you know it could be a slippery slope coming down down further down the road here. But, yeah, see, Robin, I'm not crazy uh, about that idea. I got to tell you. Yeah. And 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 the whole thing about the fat content and obesity and the children and and all that that's been floating around. I mean, there's a lot of other places where they're not in school and stuff that probably are lending more to that than having something nutritious on uh, on a daily meal that that um, you know they're used to at home and they want to see in the school. And when they don't get it in the school, they're just not going to get it or yep. take it. Yep. Um, if you don't mind, if you could address uh, milk producers who might be listening and and help me with this too. It seems a little soon to be to be getting too excited here about this becoming law. At at what point is there something to do for dairy people, and what would that be? Uh, to do as far as like are you talking about an influence or something? Well, yeah. Is there any is there any anything dairy people need to do hearing this news? Well, I think like we normally do on some other things that uh, topics that come up. Um, your local your local senators, mm-hmm. your representatives that you know, uh, contact them and express to them uh, your desires because the more that they can hear from the general public out there, the more they are apt to uh, maybe see that there's more people out there that are in favor of this. Mm-hmm. And really that's the bottom line in all kinds of policies that we see or, or bills where we have a we have a voice in the government or should have <clears throat> And that's that's one of the the things that we have as an avenue where we can actually you know provide some influence to them. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great, uh, Robin Schmall. You've been uh, generous with your time. Like I said, it was super short notice. Thanks for helping us get some perspective on this issue here. It's exciting. Something to keep an eye on, and we'll check back with you uh, if if updates do come through here on uh, on this particular thing or on on anything dairy. Robin Schmall from AgMarket.net. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, yeah, that was Robin Schmall. So, so there you go. Um, we'll, we'll just sort of wait. Dairy folk, if you're, if you're liking the sound of this, I think Robin is exactly right in suggesting maybe get a hold of your local representatives and just send it up the flagpole and let them know, hey, here's the thing. It's HR 1147 in the House. Not sure what it is in the uh, Senate. HR 1147, the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act of 2023. And with that, let's turn our attention to the, uh, here we go, the 6 to 10 day outlook updated. Yes, indeed, today. This is valid December 20 to December 24. That's that Christmas Eve already. It's going to be hot. It's just hot, hot everywhere, except the eastern seaboard. Florida is going to be uh, below normal temperatures in the 6 to 10 day outlook. That big red spot is kind of expanding over, uh, you know what? Let's let's call it both the Dakotas. It's encroaching into Kansas, almost down to KC now, swinging over about to Des Moines and cutting uh, Minnesota in half. Those are for the most above normal temperature chances. Uh, six to ten day precipitation outlook. Precip continues to 
uh, expand northward and westward, clear out from uh, the western coast around the California area, out to Louisiana, and then all the way up to the uh, about Sioux City, Iowa. Looks like we've got a nice chunk of showers. Everybody else below normal precip expected. And basically the deal is everything sort of expands. Uh, we get more above normal temperatures expanding across the country. We get more precipitation in the 8 to 14 day outlook. Tomorrow morning, I will be once again behind the big green leafy microphone. Jim Wiesmeyer, Sean Haney, and her Royal Hemis. April Hemis, join us for the Friday free for all. For Big Apple Joe, Michelle Rook, for Steve Nicholson, Oliver Slope, and Robin Schmall. Hey, I got them all. It's your pal, Davis Michelson, for Agritalk. <laughs>